Hello, I am Pastor Neil Wemus, and this is the first of a series of 20 YouTube videos that are basically an online um, catechesis. It's Lutheran instruction videos. It's kind of a way to allow for those of you who are already catechized, confirmed, to review on your faith, to understand it. It is available for those who may not be overly familiar with the Lutheran teachings, what Lutherans believe, who are these crazy people. So it's kind of a way to find out who we are. Um, it's also a way to, it is also existing for some of our members. Um, we've had situations where archaic humans have been sick or maybe they've had been struggling with illness. Um, or maybe they jumped into um, the church a bit later. And so this is going to be a full catechetical instruction. This is a crash course, all right? And it may also, I may also use it for um, adult um, prospective members. So I'm going to get started right away. And the first topic we're going to talk about is an elementary question. What is a Lutheran? And so it all goes back to 1517, right? So 502 years ago, October 31st, 1517, the man, Dr. Martin Luther, nailed to the chapel door in Wittenberg the 95 theses against the sale of indulgences. It was that event, that moment, that sparked what would become the Reformation. Now, Martin Luther was, was, at the time, he was a Roman Catholic monk priest. He was a professor at the, um, at the University of Wittenberg. And, and like I said, he, que he was questioning the sale of indulgences, which was a widespread practice. And I'm not going to dig into what indulgences were. But at the, at the core of it was the argument. That we are that a person is saved is saved by grace through faith on account of Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, to God alone be all glory. These are known as the five solas: sola, sola fide, sola gratias, sola Christus, sola scriptura, and sole deo gloria. So. Grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone, Christ alone, and to God alone be all glory. That was at the center of the, of the Reformation. So the question is, so we are Christians, right? So we are, so Christian literally means little Christ, right? So we are Christians. So the question comes is, why are we Lutheran? Does that mean that we are now little Luthers or we follow Luther? Well, that's kind of a complexity. See, Luther did not actually want anybody to name their church after him, to say, we're Lutherans. In fact, here, I'm going to read out of this is a nice little book that Concordia Publishing House put out. It's called uh, What Luther Says. And here's what he this is what Martin Luther, from his own words, he says, I ask that men make no reference to my name and call themselves not Lutherans, but Christians. What is Luther? After all, the doctrine is not mine, nor have I been crucified for anyone. 
St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 3 would not allow Christians to call themselves Pauline or Patrine, but Christian. How then should I, a poor, evil-smelling maggot sack, have men give to me, to the children of Christ, my worthless name? Not so, dear friends. Let us cast out party names and be called Christians, after him whose doctrine we have. The Papists justly have a party name because they are not satisfied with the doctrine and name of Christ, but would also to be Popish. Let them be popish then, since the Pope is their master. I neither am nor want to be any man's master. Christ alone is our master. He teaches me and all believers one and the same doctrine. So there's the words from Luther himself attacking the very notion, the idea of anybody naming themselves after him. So how did we become Lutheran? And he rightly quotes 1 Corinthians 3. The very first start of 1 Corinthians, it starts out with this whole thing, I follow Paul, I follow Paulus, I follow Cephas. You know, there's this whole issue going on in the church in Corinth. And so Luther rightly calls it out. You know, you shouldn't be called saying, hey, I follow after this person. Now understand in the context of 1 Corinthians, uh, when Paul talks about is he's dealing with a church that is very divided. They're fighting about anything and everything they can't think of to fight about. And so saying, you know, I follow Paul, I follow Paulus, I follow Cephas, I follow Christ. It's the last thing. You know, Paul's not condemning them for saying, they I follow Christ. You're supposed to follow Christ. See, that what they were doing was they're trying to one-up one another. They're trying to show how it's kind of the old-fashioned, my dad could beat up your dad type thing. And they're trying to say, hey, my teacher is better than your teacher. Therefore, I'm better than you. So that was the issue then. and But still, the issue was you should not claim to be a, ultimately a follower of anybody. Ultimately, you are following Christ. And Luther, I mean, listen, listen to the strong words. He says, listen to that. How then should I, a poor, evil-smelling maggot sack? That's what he thought of himself. Luther did not think high of himself. Um, in fact, many records have that Martin Luther was had probably struggled with depression. And so the very notion of people um, naming themselves after him was reprehensible. But that's where we're at. We are called, we are, I'm a pastor in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And so what happened? Well, see, here's the thing. In the history of the church, there's always been this trend that whenever there was what was a, a heresy that arisen in the church, they would name it after the heresy. Now, I would say many of these things were, in fact, heresies. So Arianism was, for example, one that happened. Uh, Gnosticism, well, not Gnosticism. That was a named after a person. It was named after a thought. But like Arianism, uh, Nestorianism, um, you know, the plate, plagianism, these are all um, heresies or false teachings that were named after the teacher who pushed it forward. And notice Luther right there is referring to what we call the modern day, we call the Roman Catholic Church. He's referring to them as papists or popish. 
that is actually him calling them out as false teachers. And that was the crux of the Reformation, was calling into question, was challenging what was the predominant teaching in the Roman Catholic Church. And um, that's kind of something I'll probably tip into in future videos quite a bit, you know, saying, okay, this is where we stand, this is where the Roman Catholic Church stands, or this is where some of the other churches, there's a lot of other churches out there, there's Baptists, there's Pentecostal, there's non-denominationals that are really predominantly denominations, even though they don't call themselves that. But and I'll call I'll talk about some of that. But right here, but here's the, the issue at hand. Um we're not going to deal with those in detail at the moment, but the thing is, is Luther is calling them out for partisanness, that they were following the Pope over Christ. And this is actually one of the crux of the big differences between Luther's and Catholics. And so here's a point to bring it up, and that is the office of the Pope. Um, they would argue that the Pope is the vicar of Christ, um, that, you know, when it says that, in Matthew 16, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. It has been believed that Peter was the rock upon which the church was, was to be built. That's the argument of the Catholic Church. And so the Pope is able to, is, has a really, is a high authority, the authority to interpret scripture um, above any other person. And this is a big issue and difference between. Uh, what we as Lutherans believe, this is what Luther argued, is that man, a person, an individual can interpret scripture apart from the church, um, or apart, or a church doesn't have to tell us how to do it. So that's what he was challenging. And that was the big debate. Um, and so the Pope was a big issue. And by the way, that Matthew, so that Matthew 16 verse, where it talks about you are Christ, um, where Jesus says to Peter, you are Peter, and upon this rock you will build my church. Well, we would argue from a Lutheran standpoint is that um, Jesus was not saying that Peter was the rock. So it's actually interesting. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually pull this up on my cell phone. Um, let me. Which, by the way, there are a lot of great apps out there for Bible reading. Um, there's some that have Bible reading schedules. I use Logos. Uh, this is kind of, it's actually, technically it's free, but a lot of the stuff that goes on, it can get really expensive. And in my case, it's fairly expensive. Um, so let's see, Matthew 16. So this is where it says, in verse 13, it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. At least not until he had risen from the dead. So, so the Catholic Church would argue that right here, that Peter uniquely is the one upon whom the church would build. He would build his church, or the foundation upon which he'd build the church. And they also read this as exclusively Peter would be the one who would have the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, we would argue that the keys have been given to the entire church, not just Peter, um, but to all Christians, actually. The pastors are pastors are the ones who are charged to publicly do it, so such as myself. Um, so if you feel burdened by sin, you can come and confess it unto me. And I am publicly um, bound to my vows to hear it. And if... If you are repentant to pronounce forgiveness of sins, um, if you are unrepentant, I am given the, I am given the authority to bound bind up those sins, to not forgive them, to withhold forgiveness. Um, I'm and I'm also bound to not divulge anything you seek. You could have murdered somebody and come and confess it to me. Now I would tell you to go confess it to the police officer. Because that'd be a part of repentance, but I couldn't tell anybody. The courts, could, a police officer, could come in here and say, "Hey, tell me what happened," and I could say, "I don't know. I can't tell you anything." And so, and fortunately, in the United States, we are protected by um, the Constitution, at least for the time being. So, but here's the thing: is so the key is in this phrase. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock. I will build my church. So here's the thing: the Greek word Pete, the Greek word for the name Peter. Um, give me a little moment here. Is Petros, right? The which, and then the Greek word for rock is Petra. So I apologize for the phone in the background. Um, that might happen. I'm recording this live, but Petra. Is feminine is a feminine word for the word rock, and so what is Jesus doing here? Jesus is creating a compare and contrast. He's comparing and contrasting Petros and Petra. So, okay, so Petros is so. No, so G Peter is one rock. So his name rock. So he's basically saying, Peter, you are a rock. You are a rock. The, and his, his uh, other name, Cephas, has also been referred to. Also means rock. So you are a rock. But on this other rock, so this is what he's doing. He's doing, he's saying, you're one kind of rock. This other rock, though, Peter, I will build the church. Well, what's the other rock? It's the confession that Peter just made. That I am the that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Living God. So that is what we would argue is the the rock that the church is built upon is the confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Living God, and that is true. We are to follow Christ. That's why we are ultimately a Christian, not Lutherans. But again, the question comes: Why do we embrace the term Lutheran? Well, here's another quote by Luther. He said, it says, 
It is true that you should never say I am Lutherish or Popish, for neither of them died for you, neither is your master. Only of Christ may this be said. Therefore, you should profess to be a Christian. But if you believe that Luther's doctrine is evangelical and the Pope's unevangelical, you must not flatly disown Luther. Otherwise, you also disown his doctrine, which you admittedly recognize as the doctrine of Christ. Rather, you must say, whether Luther personally is a scoundrel or a saint means nothing to me. His doctrine, however, is not his, but Christ's own. For you see that the object of the tyrants is not only to slay Luther, but also to extirpate the doctrine. They lay hands on you because of the doctrine, and for this reason they ask you whether you are Lutheran. Truly, here you should not speak in a weak whisper, but should freely confess Christ, whether Luther, Nicholas, or George preached him. Let the person go, but the doctrine you must confess. So that is ultimately at the core of it, is what ended up happening was in the Reformation is eventually the Reformers just embraced it. They got... People kept on calling Lutherans over and over, Lutherich, as he said it. And it's just fine. We're going to embrace it. And to say you are a Lutheran was to say that we confess specific doctrines. And these are doctrines that Luther agreed with. Does not mean we always agree with Luther. Not everything that Luther says are we as Lutherans bound to. There are things that Luther said that we would find extremely problematic. Um, if you were to go on the internet, the one that would probably stand out is Luther and the Jews and their lies, which was a document that he wrote late in his life and had some very disturbing things in regards to Jews. It was very anti-Semitic. Um, and that's the reality. Sometimes we do realize that people are sinners. Luther was a sinner, and he said things he shouldn't have. Um, he was a guy that tended to get grumpy at times, and he was at the end of his life, he was getting grumpy, and there were things that the Jews were saying about Luther that were very much not kind. See, a lot of people know what Luther wrote about the Jews, people don't talk about what the Jews were writing about him. Um, they said some very rough, very nasty things to him as well. And so he, it's kind of think of modern day, if you've ever sent that angry email to somebody, you should never have sent or sent that angry letter or postcard or whatever. Yeah, that's what that's what Luther did. He's the Jews and his, their lies. That was his angry email. All right. So, uh, so like I said, we don't stand by everything that Luther has said or did. Um, but we stand by specifically the documents with which are contained in the Book of Concord. And I'm going to talk about that in the next video, um, what the Book of Concord is, what the confessional documents of the Lutheran Church is. And so um, I pray you come back, and I pray a blessing to you, um, a blessed day, um, whatever day it may be. Amen.